dialed in to Fox and Brews, you might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these stuff. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews. And brews. Bucks and brews. So we are back on Bucks and Brews. Um, took us a little bit there to get set up, but nobody knows that except for the few of us. Oh, what a great sound. You were waiting on that one. I was. So I sponsored us this week, Nick. Oh, I appreciate do you that. Want, do you want to give a shout out to who? I do. I say, big shout out to David for the sponsor, but also to The Still Brewing. The Still Brewing uh, sponsored us uh not too long back, um, gave us a great six-pack of this exact beer, Hawaii Five Ale. Uh, it's a blonde ale with pineapple, coconut, mango, peach, and guava. Uh, it's a 6.4% alcohol by volume. Um, we all agree that it's just a really good beer. Um, this is Mike's first taste. Mike, what do you think? It's very good. It's smooth. You get the fruit background, but it's not too in-your-face aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, say gosh, you know, and so they supported us. We're going to support right yeah, Absolutely. Because <laughs> that's who we are. Um, so yeah. we're joined tonight. We are. By Professor David Seawick, who has joined us before and happens to be one of my absolute oldest and dearest friends. We've known each other since elementary school. Indeed. I just put him pretty old. Because yeah. yeah, I'm old. Was, was it like one room schoolhouse back when you guys went together? Fuck you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, not uh, quite. Pretty and close, then, but then, not right quite. Right in the door bathroom. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, you're older than all of us. Then, uh, hey, so, I have. To, we had two grades. There are two classes for each grade. Yeah, that's right. Cooper Elementary, and we had three elementary schools in Plainwell. And yeah. uh, say we're also joined by a guest who's been with us many, many times, quite a bit. But it's been a while. Uh, say he thinks he's better than us, and he can just not show up half the time now. Um, call him part time. Uh, and nights, I'm not actually busy. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Mike Benson, uh, appreciate you joining us. Hello. So, before we get too far into this, I have exciting news. Well, I haven't talked about the rest of my beers that I'm drinking. But you're going to wait because this is very exciting. Probably going to trump my beers. So, I think it is. So, right. you asked. I did. And MLVC has delivered. MLVC. They have delivered. So, we have a new theme song. Folks, this was. Uh, we, we put it out there so that anybody that can help us with a theme song, we're excited to air it for the first time tonight. We're, we're going to try to play it on Podbean. We're going to see if that works. It yeah. may or may not. You've dialed in to Box and Brews. You might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these stuff. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And brews. Bucks and brews. And brews. Bucks and brews. I don't know if you were able to hear that on Zoom, David, but... We're very it wasn't, but I saw Mike getting down pretty good, and yeah, Nick it, busted a couple moves in there too. So I figured it was a good tune, you know. And I'll, was, uh, I'll listen back and I'll uh, see what I was missing. Yeah, it's it's. We were very excited about it. Yeah, you got the cash register sound in there. Yep. You got the popping a beer open and pouring it in there. Yeah. It's, 
Star Wars Chris had a home run. And, and his buddy, whose name I do not know. Uh, we we definitely appreciate that. Very much. Um, gosh, what a fantastic theme song. So go ahead and talk about your beers, Nick. We'll talk about what we're drinking and yeah. let David talk about what he's drinking because this is very, very exciting. So one more real quick shout out. That's still brewing. That's of course, cool. that's what I'm starting next with. Starting to do my uh, buy one, get one. Or no, they were both half off when you bought two. Right. right? So buy one, get so one. So buy one, get one. Um, Founders Solid Gold. Uh, premium Lager. Founders, of course, near and dear to our heart. Uh, being from Grand Rapids. Uh, so really excited for tonight's episode. Well, Mike, you're our guest of honor. What are you drinking? All right. I've got, after I'm done with my Hawaii 5 Al, a Blake's. It's called Apple Lantern. It's advertised as a roasted pumpkin hard cider, but I did have one over the weekend. And the roasted pumpkin is kind of false advertising. It is definitely apple cider. Um, if you think you're going to get a nice burst of Pumpkin, don't get this. But other than that, it, it's a good beer. And then after that, if there's time and I'm feeling up to it, a Pigeon Hill salted caramel porter, which is also something I had not too long ago. It's absolutely delicious. Love Pigeon Hill. And I have to agree, I had that pumpkin, apple pumpkin, apple lantern. Apple lantern. Apple lantern. I had that with you and I could not taste any apple or pumpkin. Any pumpkin, I swear I'm not, not drunk. Uh, yeah. I had three drinks. Um, three seven. <laughs> Where I'm not drunk. Anyways, uh, back to what I have. I have, thanks to Nick, a Blake's hard cider triple jam. Yeah. Which I will partner with a peanut butter porter from Saugatuck oh. when I'm done with Estelle. And uh, let's say, starting our our night, we're gonna grind Mr. Seawick on all of his. Uh, events that he's done for our own case studies he didn't do it for himself he did it for us don't right. let him fool you uh david what are you what are you drinking over there i am drinking in a plastic cup uh purchased at aldi for i think 89 cents for 50 of them uh city of lansing tap water so can't better beat it than, better than the city of flint yeah it is sure. and city That's of lansing tap water is better than flint water right now City of Lansing Tap Water has oftentimes received awards for its quality. And Thanks. actually, um, that the City of Lansing's water system may make it into our discussion tonight when we're talking about work. Uh oh. Fine with that. You'll see why. I'm excited. So, so we asked David specifically on because I, I posted something the other day. Uh, I did a case study, a blind study. Yeah, of course. On uh, jobs. And you know, everybody's saying there's, there's a job shortage and nobody wants to work and all this stuff. It's not a job shortage. It's an employee it's shortage. An employee shortage right? There's not enough people to come work. Nobody wants to work. They just want to sit at home. So this guy applied to two jobs every day from September 1st through the end of the month. Okay. He got 16 responses by email, talked on the phone with four of those 16 had one interview and the one interview was offering minimum wage pay for $8 and 60 cents an hour, even though they advertised it starting at 10. <laughs> so I posted this because of course, you know, I, I take great delight in blowing up the argument of nobody wants to work by always throwing in nobody wants to work for bullshit pay sure and 
my friend David here, who is always, almost always since I've known him, worked more than one job, even, you know, through most of his teaching days in Lansing Community, uh, jumped on right away and told us about a recent story. And honestly, I there's no reason for me to say, David, why don't you tell us about that recent story? Sure. I, for something to do, I thought uh, over this past, it was like this spring, um, maybe five months ago, I applied for a part-time job. I got an advertisement for it on my LinkedIn page. And I don't, I'm not in the business of naming and shaming companies. It's the last thing I want to do. So I won't name what the company is, but they were in an area that's pretty closely related to what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And my job, um, for folks who weren't listening the last time I was on, I'm a, I work at Lansing Community College. I teach history there and also work as a full-time administrator in our workforce and corporate training area. So um, actually kind of have my finger on the pulse a little bit, depending on what, um, what company it is or what area organization it is in terms of the workforce needs in this area in Lansing where I live. And uh, so I saw that posted and I, I thought, well, I'll share the story. I, I applied for this job really because I thought this would be an interesting way to get a little more um, experience uh, working with people in the same line of work that I'm already in. And the job required uh, quite a bit of formal education, um, a minimum of one and two or three college degrees, depending on what area you were going to be working in. And they also required you to go through an extensive application process, including producing some of your own original academic work. So I'm thinking, well, college I work at has positions that are somewhat comparable to this, and I know what they pay. So maybe this would pay something close to that. I go through the application process. I get the email back saying, we are very pleased to offer you your contract, because this is contracted work with no guarantee of work. Please read the terms and sign on the red line and we'll put you to work. And so the contract was about uh, probably 5,000 words long. And I like to read. So I read every one of those 5,000 words. And I'm not a lawyer, but I can understand how a labor contract is written. And I read through it and it very quickly became obvious that they're going to pay me $15 an hour with no guarantee of work. And I replied back saying, um, the terms of this contract are not acceptable, and I assume from the wording of your uh, offer letter that they are not negotiable. And if that's the case, I'm not interested. Thank you. And when you say some type of degree, I mean, are we talking associates? Bachelors? No, we're talking about bachelor's, master's, and possibly a PhD. Really? Yep. So, so you can't even yep. get a two-year. So you have to get a four-year degree minimum to yeah. go out and make 15 bucks an hour. Well, for they a wanna... service, for yeah, a they service want... that they would charge their customers probably $125 an hour. Oh, at least. More. They want at bare minimum a four-year yeah. degree. Yeah. What they I really, apply. I think you should. So <laughs> these are the things that kill me. So like I, I saw I saw a job the other day hiring it and you had to have a master's degree. Yeah. And it paid $15.60 an hour. Oh. And I'm going to tell you right now that what I see as the issue we have in probably mostly just this country 
is you find slaves and indentured servants by making them pay for college, getting $100,000, $150,000 in debt, and then paying them 15 bucks an hour and telling them to be happy with that money. Yeah. Um, and we can go so many routes with this stuff. Well, um, yeah, and Dave, you're thinking exactly this. I wouldn't necessarily maybe use those terms, but you're thinking along the lines I was. And, and here's the thought that occurred to me after I sent that reply onto the Facebook post. And I, I did some quick math in my head. And part of the reply in the posting, by the way, was that I should mention was I made a comment in there that the company should understand, and I think many do, that the value of their workers is where they get their wealth from, right? Mm -hmm. So we can walk over a field that's 20 square miles and it's got a bunch of iron ore sitting in the ground. That field's not worth anything right now. But if we hire men and women and build machines that men and women build and haul the iron ore out of there and then build a smelting factory, turn it into usable ore, we can build cars out of it. Now it's worth something. So where did the value come from? It came from the people that turned that good into a value. So I got to thinking, let's say you take a uh, study at Michigan State University, big university oh, yeah. right down the road here, and you get a, a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. So you're going to design electrical circuits for a living, maybe in buildings, maybe in electronics. And Michigan State University, if you, if you got a uh, bachelor's degree in engineering there you did it in four years just the tuition would cost you about seventy five thousand dollars okay which so, does not include books does not include living on campus if you live no, on campus correct that's the 500 and some dollars a credit hour they charge and i don't know how many credit hours an engineering degree is but it's around 120 hours that's what most four-year degrees are so 120 credit hours times 500 some bucks and you get about 75 grand in it. And my thought was, so if I am an engineering firm and my line of work is design electrical circuits for buildings, or maybe we are a, a company that designs circuits for folks that make electronics, we're going to hire an engineering staff on. And when we design these circuits and we sell them, we're going to make money off of it. How much value then, if I'm the company owner, is that engineering department, the engineers working in it, how much money is that adding to the wealth of this company? And okay, there's obviously that's not a, a super easy question to ask, but if we're looking at recruiting people into work, and a lot of people that are recruited in positions are right out of college, and they've got that degree in one hand and the pile of debt in the other and it's time to make some of that money back. And they're going to be thinking, wow, you know, I just spent 75 grand or 80 grand or 100 grand on this degree. I think I'm going to try to find a job that uh, makes me, well, pay some of that money off. And I understand full well that the labor market is like anything else in a free market economy. There's risk involved and you can't expect that getting a degree is like, you know, guaranteed. It's not like going into the store and you pay them your 12 bucks and you walk out of there with your steak. It doesn't work that way. There's risk involved. There's investment involved. And you can't be guaranteed that one's going to lead to the other. But with that said, when a company is there recruiting workers, I think that there's a lot of things that if they took into mind and the good ones do in the value of the labor force and where that value comes from, 
we might not be having a conversation so much about these so-called lazy deadbeats. I don't, I don't see these people. I don't see a bunch of lazy people who are sitting around um, burning their eyes, staring at the sun, waiting for the, you know, soil and green to be dropped on their lawns every other day. And I think that's the thing that always makes me angered by this, this whole discussion is the, the narrative out there is people are lazy. They don't want to work. And I, I get into this argument a lot. We're going to talk about him a little bit later with, you know, my best friend, Mike, um, because nobody wants to work where he works. I wouldn't work where he works either. I, he has a very physical job. They work way too many hours and they want to start you out at 12, 13 bucks an hour. And I'm sorry, I can go find, you know, I could go to McDonald's and make 14, 15 bucks an hour right now. And I'm not going to work as hard as what they're making their people work. Where for the first time, probably since the mid nineties, we're at a point where you really can set your terms as an employee. This is what I'm willing to do. This is what I want. And if you're not willing to pay me what I want, give me what I want, then I'm not working for you. And, and Nick knows that probably better than most people because he went through that last summer. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had many interviews and they were like, well, don't ask this or don't ask that. And you're like, no, those are the things that are important to me. I'm going to ask. Well, yeah, you know, and funny because my brain works a little different than some people, right? I mean, I think that's a good thing about this world. I, I I think that's a good thing about us. Yeah, you know, but when you look at it, right? So if you're getting if you're getting offered fifteen dollars an hour for a bachelor's degree, um, and you know, I, I don't usually like to compare things to McDonald's because um, I think McDonald's their their workforce expectation, right? I mean, you show up, let's say it's nine to five, which is not good. you're expected to be there. By nine o'clock, punched in. If you're a minute late, you're 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 you know you you have a write up. You get a you get a break when they tell you to take a break. You have set everything, um, and it's you know it's very demanding in their pay, right? So yeah. their pay is is whatever, but the job itself is actually you know it's a good job. I mean, um, you know when when you look at it, can things, be a good job. It's not necessarily right. Well, I think. Well, that but absolutely you know what i what i am going to is you know if if these people are offering massive amounts of money there's people like you that won't take the 15 an hour right because you know your value and then there's other people who are like they're stuck they're trapped and basically what i'm seeing right now happen is that these companies know that people didn't have jobs and the people that are coming out now are the ones that took unemployment for this entire time Hey, they got to come back, so we might as well give them as little as possible to start working again, right? Um, we don't need it yet, we want it, and we might as well trap them at a the smaller amount. Um, what, I, what I'm seeing happen is oh, greatest sound around me. Um, <laughs> what I'm seeing happen That's right now is, is these lower paying jobs. Do you, middle class, lower class is going to get smaller, right? I mean, the pay is not going up. We talked about that with inflation. Um, we're, we're getting to a lower point where people aren't going to be able to afford things, right? I mean, and that's going to come in. We're dealing with the, with the nation debt right now, right? We're, we're hitting the, the cap. Um, well, we talked about that last week. Week. Uh, yeah. Yep. 
and and the boat on it. We just kicked can down the road to December now because, yeah. you know, Dickhead McDonald can't make a decision yet. You know, I what I'm about to talk about that at one point if we get to it. Yeah, I say, um, what I'm finding is, folks, this is going to be like an eight-hour episode. <laughs> Twenty hours later, um, I have a hard stop at eight, so <laughs> I turn into a pumpkin then. Right. Um, at that point, call me Peter. Peter. Pumpkin eater. That's fact. <laughs> so, uh, I knew it'd make you blush. Um, you know when you look at it, if, if, if companies, so the large companies, right? So this generational wealth money, let's say Walmart, let's say, um, Heinz. you know, Heinz, your big companies that are out there. Yep. Um, if they close, all they hurt is the people below them, right? The generational money is going to be there for many generations. Uh, Amazon, yep. I mean, he's created that like if Amazon closed, it would only affect the job people. His life wouldn't change. Not a bit. Right. So at this point, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need anybody else. Right. Well, again, we, he wants it because he wants to grow and keep going because that's what we as entrepreneurs do. But we've had that with all the businesses that have gone out of business, you know, that are big yeah. in the last 10, 15 years. Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. All their executives are rich. Oh, yeah. They don't really care that the their gone. company folded. Yep. And so, you know, you'll get to a point where, hey, some, you know, I think we're going to, in a perfect world, you would bring the money back down, the value of a dollar, right? Mm-hmm. To to a normal point and then restart, right? You'll have companies that'll try to get bigger and do things, but if these companies close and get rid of all these jobs, then you have a mass work amount of people, right? And people want to afford things, people want to buy things, keep closing, keep closing, <laughs> And, and you'll be able to start right back over at, you know, square one. The rich will get rich again really quick. The poor will have to take a small amount of money because the government's not going to be able to afford everybody. As much as people, oh, the government always funds people. We run out of money too, right? We, we will not put ourselves into a, a third world nation. We're, we're not dumb enough to do that type of thing. No, but what we're doing is we're trying to lift up those billionaires and shove down everybody else i mean that that's why so we we look at like the infrastructure plan i I, honestly nothing's getting done in washington which is fucking ridiculous but it's not getting done because they want to go well we don't want to raise taxes we don't want to want to raise taxes i don't make four hundred thousand a year i don't give a shit see and i right we talked about that Mm -hmm. like i i am never for any dollar over any amount of money, 50%, right? You should always take home more than you make. <laughs> or, you know. Yeah, but again, they, they always did. It it wasn't that they were paying 90% on Whole what thing, they right? brought in. It was 90% over so, $10 million. Still, I mean, yeah, marginal I, I, tax rate. If the effective tax rate is what you need to focus on. Marginal is called that because there's margins and you move into one, you pay more taxes. Your income brackets, they call them margins. And effective tax, effective tax rate is what you actually ended up paying. And the effective tax rates for the wealthiest people in the United States for a very brief period of time, um, especially to finance World War II, but also towards the end of the Great Depression, Marginal tax rates were raised to very high points. Then the effective tax rate for some was quite high, but uh, people that have a lot of money usually didn't get it by 
figuring out ways to throw it away. They figured out ways to keep it. And the tax laws were written in such way that they still are, that there's all kinds of definitions of what counts as income and what doesn't, and what gets thrown in this category and what doesn't. So even right now, the, the top marginal tax rate, I think it's 37%. Yeah. You have to make, so every dollar over, I think it's 400 and some thousand dollars of income and money that you make on the stock market isn't considered the same type of income that the 37% marginal tax rate is applied to. That would be taxed at that rate, but the money make below that is less. And then capital gains, which is how a lot, though not all, uh, investment money is taxed, depending on when you actually take the profit. Like that's a really important distinguishing factor. If you take it at a certain time, it's not counted as income, it's counted as capital gains. Capital gains tax rates are a lot lower. I think they're capped at 15%. So uh, 20, 20, 15, is it yeah, 15 is between 40,000 and 250. Okay. So you get above that and it's taxed higher. It's still not near the 37% that the, that the marginal income tax income. rates are. So, you know, I think the point of all this though is, and Nick, what you described is exactly what happened in the 1930s. It's how the Great Depression happened. Yep. The, the economy ran out of consumers. And when it ran out of consumers, businesses failed. So big corporations failed or came very near it in some cases. Ford Motor Company laid off 75% of its workforce between 1930 and 1933. And General Motors did the same thing. And so did all the other big major corporations in the United States with a few exceptions. And the end result of that was massive unemployment. And it was a the worst kind of spiral effect that an economy can suffer because the consumers, we ran out of consumers is what happened. So that actually created a lot of new economic theories, which is a little bit maybe beyond what I need to get into, but it's the long and short of it was the economic theory that came out of it was when consumers run out of money, we got to give it to them. Then they'll spend it again. And when they spend money again, then the economy starts growing. So you make demand instead of making supply. If I had to sum it up in a sentence, that's how I would sum it up. And it was a British economist by, by the name of John Maynard Keynes who came up with this idea. And by about 1934, 1935, the United States government very much bought into it. And that's how the the federal government dealt with the Great Depression until World War II came along. And then they didn't have to make demand anymore because overnight, demand was there. It was making bombs to defeat the Nazis. And the yeah. Nazis. No, and that's, you know, that's it. Like, um, forgive me for my naiveness. I, I don't remember if it was uh, Bush or if it was uh, Obama or Clinton, I guess, that gave the, uh, the like, $1,000. Uh, to anybody that made over a certain amount of money, like stimulus money. Well, Bush um, gave a stimulus check in, I um, can't remember what year that was, 1999 or 2000. Yep. And you either got $600 or $1,000. Yeah, I remember. I got $600 because I wasn't making very much money at the time. Yeah, right. And so, um, you know, like I remember that because that came through. Um, yeah. We're, we're not, Trump, Trump did the same thing, right? Well, and when you look at like stimulus money, I mean, yeah. they, they phase it out the more you make. Yeah. Because 
what that money is for is to stimulate the economy. Right, which is what? If you it's, give if you exactly. give a thousand dollars to a rich person, what are they gonna do? They're not spending it. Oh, they're yeah. gonna save it. Well, what'd you do with your money, right? <laughs> like I mean, mine mine probably mine probably legally is still on the bank. <laughs> well, yeah, I invested my money when I got it. I, I might have paid a couple of things, but for the most part, I'm like, hey, I got extra money. Let's throw this into my IRA. Because sure, that's you know, what a lot of people did. And and Dave, you described exactly the problem with that. The theory was exactly what I described with what mm -hmm. the government did in the 1930s. It's John Maynard Keynes, make consumers by giving them money and tell them to go out and spend it. Well, well that's all know, fine and dandy, but there's people that get the money and they think, oh, I don't really have anything to spend this on. And I like to save my money. I don't like to spend it anyway. So I'll throw it in this little investment or that bank account. And then that's great. The money's there, but it's not doing what it was intended to do, which is go out and put a down payment down on a car loan or, you know. That, that was, and it was a pretty like good that. thing to me. Like, for some reason, you know, it was the first time of this free money aspect of things. Well, like, back then I was poor. I needed the money. Right, but, yeah, sure. know, and so, so I looked at it, like, I looked at it even then, because, like, I remember being on TV for so long, because they were like, hey, it's stimulus, and they kept pushing people to go spend their money. Mm -hmm. like, more than I remember anybody telling people to go spend their money, and I, right, and I've always been this conservative type of a mindset. And I said, I said to myself, I was like, well, if I'm broke now, it's only going to look worse. So I might as well save this money until I absolutely have nothing else. Like, well, I stuffed away, right? My, my, my wife, or, you know, girlfriend at the time, like, I think she might've paid off some, some debt real quick, uh, but like, it, it didn't do any goods, right? We didn't buy services. We didn't buy goods. Well, I stuffed it away. Like, sure. I might've turned it into a house and, years later but <laughs> i'm, I'm going to bring up a conversation that mike and i had earlier on as well so yeah. we were hoping to be joined by you know my best friend mikey who i love to death but is an idiot um I, I say that because he's not here as usual yeah um but that's a different story and mike and i were talking and one of the reasons he didn't come up according to him was uh, i just don't have the money uh mike offered to drive him and we were going to do the podcast, and there was literally no money to have to spend. And I, I, I said to Mike, I'm like, listen, he works all this overtime. He doesn't have anything to spend the money on. Mm -hmm. What the hell is going on? What'd you tell me? Do you remember? Well, I said that he's got the mindset, like, maybe not you, but like David and I, and maybe even you, Dave. You know, when we were in our like early to mid twenties, where it was like, oh, we have this money, let's spend it. Or, you know, hey, I've got a girlfriend right now, let's spend it on her. You know. Oh, and and trust me, like I, it's I weird. didn't have that mindset. I, I, I feel was like I'm always going... the one that you gotta save it because you never yeah. know when that. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I was man. always <laughs> spending money I shouldn't spend. I I didn't spend money I didn't have type yeah. thing like I but like lately, lately right now like I. I love to bowl, right? I Definitely. bowl Friday nights, but I've now been bowling for six weeks. My bar tab hasn't been less than a hundred bucks. Yep. Every Saturday I wake up and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yep. Like if I keep this up, that's 33 weeks of bowling. That's 3,300 bucks for a dumbass. Like, and I'm like, you got to stop. Yep. Right. And then I'm like, I get there. And I'm like, ah, I'm just going to have fun. Like I have to relax. I need this. And so then I'm like, but I can do the same off of it. Right? Well, but that's <laughs> part of the problem. You, yeah. you need to find these outlets. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to jump around. So let's jump around. Yeah. So, get down. 
we got we got a message the other day that made me really happy we did at like one in the morning yeah uh wanted to know about budgeting and bill management yep which i thought was fantastic and i mean part of that leads me into you have to budget everything you do but at the same time you still have to have some fun okay because if you're not having any fun what the hell are you doing so, I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit on here. You know, I, I tried to die this year. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, Mike and I, with my wife and daughter, are going to Florida. And then we're hopping on a boat. And we're going to be gone for five days Yeah, on a boat. I'm on a boat. And I'm not going to have a care in the world at that point. I don't give a shit. Anna's going to watch my cat. She's going to be at my house. I know everything's taken care of there. My mom's fine. She's got mad if she needs something. And I'm going to be on a boat. I'm gonna have a drink in my hand. My ties. I'm I'm gonna go sing some adult karaoke. There you go. I'm gonna go to eighties DJ night. Dude, sing sing the Dan Band. Dude, if they have the Dan, <laughs> if they have any of those songs, I'm gonna <laughs> sing them in the style of the Dan Band. They'll have uh, uh, a couple of clips. Dude, I'm told totally, yeah. if they have that, we're singing it as the Dan Band. So yeah, right, and and that's the whole thing is like we were talking about it kind of a little bit beforehand. Yeah. You know, we get excited that people that we don't know are reaching out for for this advice because we understand where we where life can be. I've been poor, you've been poor, you've yeah. been below poor, right? I, in, in my life, in theory, I've never been below a dollar. Like you know, I'm so, like ne- I've never been in debt, like without having enough cash to cover it, right? I'm the first to admit I've taken out one percent loans while I'm earning three percent on my you know stuff. Like I've never. I've never been negative, right? Um, so, David, you kind—I of, I don't remember—you talked either before or right when we hopped on that you like to read, because um, we were talking about your uh, your uh, letter that they sent you. Um, so, how many books do you read in a year? I guess, or a week, or a month, if you know roughly. Oh, when I have time, it varies. I mean, in, in over the course of a year. Some years it's not very many, maybe 25 or 30, and then other years maybe I get to 50. Right, which is like, so like to you, that's not very many. So I read like many, two or three books a year. You, two, or, two or three. How many do you read? Or three. Like I've, I've read, I've read now officially three, well, I've physically read two books in my life. Well, actually the first one I've read, so I've read, I've physically read one book <laughs> my whole life. Okay. Like, and this, this includes school, right? So school, number of the stars. It's this. It's this book. It's called Number of the Stars. It was read to me in third grade. I have a very smart brain where I have a great memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did these. I did my all my book reports literally from third grade all the way to high school on this book, right? I I, I had different teacher. I turn it in. That was my book report, right? Um, people always think this is like a lie. I'm like, no. Like I just I know the book. Why not do something I know exactly what it's about, right? If you ask me the questions, I can tell you about it, right? Little girl, Nazi Germany, right? Like I can tell you this. Yeah. Dog comes sniff. She has to hide the meat. Um. So, I I read the only book I've really read is Rich Dad Poor Dad from Robert okay. Kiyosaki. Absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Like because I I already had the knowledge, so it didn't impact me the way that everybody talked about it. But a friend of mine bought me a book um, on Audible. And I happened to be driving to Lansing, and so you listened to and it. back. Yep. And then I had to drive to Muskegon the next day and back. So I listen to it's called Life and Air. Um, it's like millionaire, but life on air. Um, I listened to it, absolutely loved it. 
felt the emotional connection to because like instantly it started out like this guy real estate type thing um and how he's devoting so much we talk about being workaholics and it's like i know i am right like Mm -hmm. like i just if i'm with my wife and all that like i'll answer the phone because i just can't not be responsible um this talks about kind of like hey change your change your mindset i think it's a multi-level marketing type thing in some way or i don't really know um but love the book i haven't changed my life and i i need to focus on it um but when we when we get these types of things for people that are like hey how do we budget it's like man david's going on vacation i've been on vacation you've been on how do we do this more often right <laughs> like how can we teach people to get there i'm already so, planning the next vacation yeah so david i like if you get a chance read life and air if you haven't already um because you're a workaholic um i want to know like I'd love to have a conversation with somebody else who's read it. Um, I told my wife about it. I was like, hey, you should, she hated the guy's voice when I was listening to it. I was like, just read it. Like, um, I think it'd be awesome because it's the only thing I've actually read in my life. Or, you know. Sounds a little bit like a book I read about three years ago by the, the author was the guy that founded the Keller Williams real estate franchise. Mm-hmm. Gary Keller? Yeah. Yeah. And the book is called The One Thing. The One Thing, yeah. And it's, I, a, it's like a uh, kind of a corporate leadership professional leadership type um book it basically the premise is that organize your life around priorities and principles and try to do one thing at a time good and then all the other things that you have in your order of priorities you'll also do good and i mean it's great advice regardless if if you're seeking you know whatever your version of good is you know and this guy wrote it because that was how he built his real estate franchise company up. And, but then he tried to apply it to other things in life too. I mean, I thought it was quite interesting. And there, he put together a, like a program that um, I actually did part of it through my job, which was kind of neat. So it was like being in class again. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I work at a college. So we do that sort of thing from time to time. And it was good. I, yeah. I like that. I'll have to check that one out. It's something, yeah. something I'd be interested in. I have one free credit on Audible still, and I'm I'm gonna get rid of it because I don't do monthly subscriptions, fifteen bucks a month. You know, but I really I was thinking about Gary Keller. Um, Audible is great. I oftentimes I'll buy a book and then I'll read it, and then if I really want to get to part of it and all the time, I'll find where it is on the Audible book. Yeah. Listen to that part of it, and then that night before I go to bed, okay, now I got my hour to read again. I'll find where I, did- I am in the paperback and the hardcover and read it and. It's it's kind of like hybrid reading. <laughs> I said I, I've never really seen life in there and how thick it is. I don't, it's six and a half hours on Audible, but I know if I were to read it, it would take me two weeks, right? I mean, I just I can't six read that fast. Like in, like in my comprehension, it wouldn't be the same as somebody else. Like if I have this yeah. conversation, I will remember everything. If you write it down, God, we're lost, right? Like when you talk about getting a, a thing offered to you, like I can read an offer from a house. I look at the numbers, I look at this, and I'm like, all right. And I have somebody else go, hey, I need you to tell me if I'm getting screwed on this part. <laughs> Which is um, good to have that somebody else there. But I, I have noticed in life that when um, you get a big document like that and you discover a detail in it, it's great to ask a question, even if you know the answer to it, yeah. related to that detail, because the person that's negotiating the contract with you then knows, wow, he actually read it. That's why Van Halen had in their contract that uh, the road setup crew, uh, the venue they were at, 
couldn't put it was either red or brown. I can't remember. Brown. Some color, brown M and M's in their their uh, dressing room it had nothing to do with M and M's. They didn't give a crap about that. It was because they had learned, I think, from Eddie Van Halen's father, who was a professional musician as well, that you got to make sure that your roadies have followed the contract. I think Eddie almost got electrocuted when their um, amps were wired up wrong at an early concert that the band played, and it really scared him for a good reason. And I think that's when his dad gave him the lesson that there's some story like that behind it, that, hey, you know, put a clause, a rider in your contract that's minuscule, so it's not like the show can't go on if we don't follow it, but then you'll know that they actually read the contract. So that's why they did that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I put a question out there and I, I did this for a specific reason and we'll talk off the air about that because I think you and I are going to have a financial consult coming up. We we, we definitely will have, right? I <laughs> well, mean, you don't know about this. Oh, a consult with somebody else besides my issue. Yes. Oh, this is going to be great. So... I, th- I think we're going to have one, but I-, I had asked the question yesterday on Facebook of why are people so scared to talk about their finances? Yeah, finances. Yeah, and I mean, you know, absolutely love the responses. I, I have them here. Yeah, you know, the the four that we got. Um, one person said, you know, it might be due to bragging, or others have seen financial decisions or information as private, don't want to share it. Or they're afraid about opening up about it because people see them differently. Um, one person said nosy relatives who will use the information to loudly compare you to everyone else in their worldview. And then yeah, that one sounded like it was like a true statement. Like absolutely, this right. And then uh, embarrassed they aren't earning as much as others, unable to save or accumulate wealth, and different financial strategies and priorities yielding different results. Now, I mean, I've I've seen this specifically because I, I helped bail out Mikey um, when Mike got divorced him and I sat down and, and he tore open his finances and he said this is what I have what do you think yeah and you know I, I told him originally listen I'm not the be all end all here but this is what I think right and that was probably god I gotta say 2015 maybe yeah 2016 was, maybe the beginning of? thinking about that on my write-up or you know things i was thinking you know because i got thinking about going out mike and oh. like that was probably i at least years ago years ago when you know i got divorced and you know we did have that conversation and i thought you know mike that yeah i mean it's like you basically bailed him out you know with Don calling up his debt collectors and stuff like that. And well, and I, I think we touched on this before, but he, but he didn't. I mean, again, he didn't learn from that that he's basically making those same mistakes again. So he was probably twenty thousand in debt, yeah. and he wanted to file bankruptcy. And he came to me and he's like, "I, I need to file bankruptcy help." So we went through the stuff and I'm like, dude, I don't think you have enough money here that you owe to file bankruptcy because of course the world's changed in the 10 or 12 years since I had filed bankruptcy. Okay. So I filed like in 2002, he came to me in like 2012 or so. And I'm like, honestly, I think this stuff can be paid off. So he came up on another day and Don called as his fiance 
and negotiated every bill. And some of them were like, well, we'll take payments here and here. And he's like, yeah, I can make that, no problem. And some of them were like, well, you owe us $6,000, but if you just pay us now, 4,000, you can just, we'll just be done. So I literally told Don, I'm like, just take the checkbook, give him a damn number, check number and get it done. Yeah. He can pay me. I don't care. And we pulled him out of all of that debt. He had it all paid off. 20,000. And, you know, I, I had told Mike that when he got divorced, I'm like, listen, I, I helped Mikey pay off his crap in 18 months. I'm not saying I'm the be all end all, but show me what you have. And I think we can set a plan forward. And I, that, that's at least five, six years ago. And honestly, did it help? Yeah. I mean, I'm often told everything of the debt. Like I said, I've got a couple little loan payments I'm paying off. I've got my mortgage. Otherwise, you know, the credit card purchases are paid off monthly. Um, well, and it's not like you were running up debt. You found out there was yes. debt when you got divorced. Yeah. She, she ran it. Was um, probably relatively similar, fifteen to yeah. twenty thousand. Sure. And, and it wasn't like you were ignoring it, but she was taking care of the bills, so you were just happy to do what you did. And and there's a lot of that out there. You know, you don't necessarily know who's spending the money or what they're spending. Well, you know, we talk about that quite a bit. Like, know your significant other, know things, right? Like, yep. Um, you know, one thing that. Dave Ramsey and I don't agree upon, right? There's a few things. Many things I don't agree on. Yeah, right. But like, you know, he said, hey, if you're in a house and you're married, like that's, you only move in with your spouse, right? She has to be married to you. And then you, you keep everything separate. And then you join accounts, right? You have to trust in the other person. It's not that I don't trust in my wife. Not anywhere near that, right? And he can, he'll fight me until he's blue in the face, just as much as I will. And it's like, no, I know my wife has a spending habit. Yep. Yes, we could do, honestly, right? All right, we can go on a million vacations with the, the money, right? And we'd be completely fine. But taking into effect my mental health and my want and my needs, right? Like, in my opinion, we're doing fine. So, like, hey, this is mine. Like, we it's we look at accounts today, right? My account, my wife will still tell you even today, like, oh, you have all this excess money. You could too, but I'm, you know, I've, I've tried telling you, but again, yeah. she will not listen to me just as much as your wife will not listen to you, right? Like right. your wife will listen to me more than she'll listen to you about finances, right? Like she finds you dumber. She just, right. You, you talk about everything in your life. So there's one thing that, I mean, they have to be combative. They have, yeah, absolutely. Like, I have to be combative with my wife, right? Like, yeah. Hey, I'm right about this. Like my wife is in the medical field <laughs> and I fight with my wife about medical shit, right? Like, because that's who I am. Like I have opinions on it, right? Um, Men are natural fighters. Nick, you know, you got point. Like, you got all this excess, like, it's in a separate account from your wife. But yes. if something were to happen to Courtney, it's there. It's her. And she needed $10,000 or something. Yeah. It would be hers. Like, it's like, not like you're yeah. saying my money. And then that's where I think, you know, some people take it to the absolute opposite, where it's like, no, this is my money. If you're $10,000, you have to pay it off. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, so we talked about $10,000, right? So if, if, and this is how I feel, right? We went and bought my wife a car, right? I drove to Chicago. We bought her a 2005 Honda Pilot. Okay. I paid $3,700. It has 96,000 miles on it. It's fully loaded. It, it, I, I think there's one small repair that I just found out that I'm going to have to make. We made it all the way back from Chicago. But like, 
I'll be 400 bucks maybe, right? So I'm still 4,100. Um, fully loaded Honda Pilot that she's absolutely in love with. But if I gave her, if I just told her, hey, go buy a car, whatever, she would probably go spend 10 to 20,000 bucks go buy uh, a used car, like whatever. And just, she had no problem with it, right? And like me, I'm like, hey, let's do a financial, figure this out. Like mm-hmm. if this car lasts me, I'll spend a thousand bucks a year. That's kind of my average, right? Like not much. And so if this Honda Pilot lasts me four years, I've gotten my money out of it. Like yeah. I don't really care. Like, and hers, the other one that we, she had, I just think she's, we paid 4,000. I don't know if it lasted four years. We're probably just shy of it. But I know worst case scenario, it still runs and drives it, kind of broken exhaust or whatever. And she was like, all right, let's go look at a new one. Yep. 1950 exhaust or I'll, I'll probably sell it for 1200 right? Um, but this next one, I mean, Hondas are meant to last forever. I mean, think about it. Like I have a 2010 Cyan XB release edition. I'm absolutely loving my car. Everybody knows this. I had it when I bought 33, I had 33,000 miles on it. I now have just shy of 170,000 on it. I drive it everywhere and I've had it for eight years now. Nine, like I drive these things until they're done. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a price where I won't put into it. And the good thing for me is I've actually found the exact same car, right? For sale. <laughs> it's got 70,000 miles on it. So I know that, hey, I'm getting up there in miles. If this breaks and it's going to cost me 2,000 bucks to fix, my car is gone, right? I will just go buy the same exact one, spend, you know, negotiate the price right. and I'll be right back on the road with my, my true love of a car. <laughs> I love that guy. You know, I can't tell you. I love it more than I like my truck. I love my truck. <laughs> so, so not to keep moving us along here, we're yeah. going to get back to some oh, of the stuff we've we already to. hit. Yeah, but we have so much to get to. So, I'm going to get to Nadamikansu right now. Mm. So, I'm a Bears fan, so I hate this guy because he played for the Lions. Yeah, and I'm a Lions fan, so I hate this guy because he, he loved the Lions. Did not stay with me. <laughs> Broke my heart, Sue. You broke my heart. I, I saw this this tweet from him the other day. And I'm like, oh my God, this, Nick and I are gonna love him again. Yeah. So he tweeted out it, it was this long tweet. It was talking about money. And he basically set out these are the things you have to do, which I love. I love when anybody says this is what you have to do to build wealth. Yep. And one of it was learn the basics and learn them early what's the big word there nick it literally it literally says budgeting budgeting so you know how i feel about budget oh yeah so i mean make money work while you sleep which is investing which you know i don't think it's funny because I think we need to hit on that a little bit more because we always talk about compound interest, right? And people always say the word, right? Yep. Compound interest, compound interest. And, and I think there's got to be a way, like we have to do a, a physical, excuse me, a physical representation of compound interest because people mm-hmm. are always, oh, you got to make your money work for itself. And they always use like these like lingos and stuff like that. It's like regular like, people don't understand. Right. Like, okay, again, we have a thousand bucks. You've made a dollar, so a thousand one. Now that, that one dollar, Next month will make you one penny. So now you have a thousand two and one penny. Like that, yep. that one dollar is what who cares about your thousand? Yes, it's the bigger amount of money, but like the awesome fact is that one dollar made you more money, right? Like you're making money on the money, and then next month that penny will make a half or a half a penny or whatever it would be, right? Like so you're still making a penny plus a half. Like it's huge. 
that like it takes so long to realize how much of an impact it is and i think that's why people don't really care it's not instant gratification really it's huge right like people are like oh flipping flipping's the way to go instant money sure it's great for instant money but take it and invest it like ira you so number three create your own financial opportunities and own them yep Four, help others on the journey, pay it forward, which is what you and I try to do weekly. Oh, is that what this is? I, I think so. Oh, cheers, Tots. You need a lot less than you think to have a good life. And I, I think that's absolutely true. Oh, my goodness, yes. So I kept reading a lot of what he had to say. And with Sue, one of the big things for him was, uh, so he came into money obviously at a very young age because he was young when he got drafted correct so you get drafted you're making millions of dollars all of a sudden and nobody's taught any of these kids what to do with that money or how to handle that money if anything right like most inner city athletes are until they're not going to amount to shit right like exactly i mean you know i was a good bowler i got a lot of scholarship money but like everybody my whole life always told me don't count on money from bowling it's not so like when you're told that like you're gonna fail like there's something in you i never really told people that i was gonna get into real estate because i didn't know it and like then i got into it and i got around the right people right away mm-hmm. and they're like hey you're gonna be and now people are like hey yeah but there's still people no nope, i won't do it it doesn't make money i've seen this crash and it's like man okay sure completely okay with that but like when you're going through a the 1%, right? Everybody will tell you you'll never get to the 1%, right? Like nobody believes that anybody else will get there because they don't feel personally they can. You and I talked yesterday about what happens if the market crashes. Yeah, yeah. it crashes. Yep. Are you selling everything right now? Because if you're not, who cares? Right. I don't care. Now, my mom would care. Yeah, my, she's 68 years old. Your mom would care. Yeah, she's, she's 59, about Actually. to lose her job in 13 days. How old am I? You're old. My 44 40, now. I'm 33 years old. So my mom's 69 now. Yeah. So yeah, she would care. Yep. But 69. I, I, on the other hand, not care. We can tell the we can tell the mature one here. <laughs> yeah, no didn't, didn't even laugh about that. Wow. Well, I was still thinking about a little bit um Nam Kansu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually what you guys are talking about here the way different people would react i mean i think it's also back to the point that i think this part of the conversation was going off of which was why some people talk about money and some won't um their money or others and so much of it is financial education is learned when you're a little kid i mean so young sue grew up in a you know solidly middle class house both of his parents were professionally employed and I think his mother was an immigrant, wasn't she? I think she was from Jamaica, if I remember right. But, um, you know, so he had good role models. And a lot of people that end up becoming professional athletes, you know, they blow their money. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's because some of them don't have good role models growing up. Maybe some of them, it's just, well, even if they did, you know, those role models maybe not weren't good financial role models. I think Sue probably had both. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why, well, I, Dave, I read that post on Facebook about, um, 
you know, why are some people hesitant to talk about finance? Yeah. And I really do think it's the two biggest reasons are either people don't have any money and they're kind of ashamed of it, or they do and they're kind of ashamed of it. So well, I, I know, I think there's a third one, sorry, but it was, I guess, like I see the two sides, right? But in my, my grandma's rules, right, where things you don't talk about, money, politics, and religion, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and just, you know, spoken thing. Not like me being the combative little asshole that I am, see, right? I, like, I would always bring up I those told, three things. Yeah, I totally <laughs> bring up sports shit. Yeah. So, like, I know my guy Different values. Probably, I mean, people back then were, I don't know, maybe they had a different public politeness anyways, but... Well, yeah. I, I know Mike and I are recovering Catholics. Yep. I, I was uh, a Catholic. We, we talk about money all the time. Yep. Um, I, Dave, I believe you are a Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, yeah, Mike Benson, Mike, you and I went to the same parish growing up. Yeah. yeah. So, St. Margaret's and Nazi. Actually, honestly, I went there too. Did I ever? Yes. But I, I, stopped, I stopped at almost five years of age because. Okay. So. Like Mike, my grandmother wanted me to go to St. Margaret's. Yeah. And my mom took me and they said, well, he's not ready for school. He's too clingy because my mom worked second shift. So I wasn't around her a lot. So when I was around her, I was clinging. Yeah. Imagine that a small child wanting to be around his mother. No kidding, right? Wow. So what a bizarre thing that, that his father decided I was not ready for school which pissed my grandmother off. So she went over to Cooper with me, Cooper Elementary, and they said, oh yeah, he's ready for school. I'll take him. And she goes, I'll take him. She went back to father and goes, fuck you, we're never coming back. Oh, jeez. Well, so, so I went to CCD. All, all you boys went to CCD. Well, yeah. David, probably um, not. He yeah. was out by then, right? Well, um, we got the fun of it was during school. Yeah. Oh, so you, went, you went to a Catholic school? Yes, he oh, did. Yes, that's yeah. how, eighth grade. That's how my mother mom was my teacher. That's right. My I, uh, mother was his teacher. Yeah. Oh, which my, David my, actually went to school with me. My yeah. teacher in yes, fourth public grade. schools. My parents didn't have the money to send us to St. Correct. My teacher was a gift teacher, you know, Otis's or whatever. Then, uh, right. And yeah. I, I know I've said this before on episodes with David, but we played baseball many, many years together. His dad was our coach, and he would walk behind the dugout to smoke his pipe. Yes. Yeah. Which was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. Because he didn't set a good, in front of us. That's right. Gotta set a good example for the kids, you know. Yep. Let so, them know that when you smoke, you gotta do it behind the dugout. Behind That's, the dugout, mind you. Dugouts aren't like they are now. It was just a fast. <laughs> so you could see him smoking behind the dugout. But he wouldn't do it in front of us. Yeah. No, I uh, honestly so, the best baseball coach I ever had. It was so much fun. So my CCD teacher, uh uh, uh, taught my grandparents in school. Yep. Went through all of my aunts and uncles through CCD. Went through my nieces and nephews ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, my cousins ahead of me. And then went to me. So out of the three generations, I was the only one to ever fail. CCD. That's <laughs> surprising. Uh, well, so my parents got divorced. Uh, the night CCD was, was my dad's night. And he wasn't going to not see me he right. right like just to go to a catholic thing so um yeah so i just you can't ask if you don't show right? <laughs> so um yeah so like 
how great is that of a story that three generations of the same guy and he has to walk up to your parents and grandparents and go nope. <laughs> um so needless to say i didn't you know I, I did my confession of faith i didn't do anything above that and here we are. So, I didn't get that far. Here I am today. And honestly, my friends still think I'm a Jew. Well, you are. <laughs> well, I mean, technically yeah, I am, because yeah. you know I was born to a Jew. Yeah, you, you know, you can't, you can't not be. One uh, of the one of the favorite tweets that Sue put out, because mm-hmm. I hope that you know kids that played for me can say this type of stuff. He said, "Lucky for me, Coach Joe Mogilla. You're going to say Mogilla." intervened he sat me down early walked me through everything i needed to know his number one piece of advice nick what is it budget regularly absolutely you have to budget know how much you're spending in every category in your life i still use the spreadsheets i stole from him (laughs) you know how excited i was when i read that i'm like oh my god i need to find the dumb account too so i can see those spreadsheets i i want to compare yeah yeah you know and that's it's just following him on twitter now i am following him on twitter now i've tagged him about 18 times now and we're going to talk about you on wednesday no no matter how much money you have you have to budget right you do because we talked about that in our lottery thing yeah we talked like when you when you have that would be the money windfall yeah when you get a bunch of money like you still have to know how to handle it like whether you're poor whether you're rich in order to stay in that zone, you have to know how to handle money, right? I was listening, to, so I was walking into the back door of this place, and yep. of course, one of my favorite people, Gary V, pops yep. out, and he's like, you know, people people just think I automatically have money. He goes, he goes I was making $41,000 for the first three years of my career. He goes, but out of that $41,000, I saved $9,000 each year, right? So at 27, he's like, I have 27, more than half of what I had over three years, and, and then I busted my ass and kept going, you know, and, and going with it. Like, understand that no matter how much you make, you have to save some of it, right? Yeah, you do. Some of my, I do listen to Dave Ramsey, right? Because, and some of my favorite stories are these people that have a $40,000 house. People like, you can't buy 40000 No, like they live in, you know, wherever, small town Ville, USA. Like yep. they, they paid nothing for their house. They, they make $21,000, like minimum wage, right? Like $21,000 a year. And they have a net worth of a million bucks. Like, I absolutely think that's amazing, right? Oh, yeah, we just put our 15% away and it just added up and did, like, it did everything. Like, you don't have to be rich to get rich, right? Like, I get the house listings all the time for where I grew up. Yeah. And I I tell my wife, I'm like, you know, it shocks me that I could go buy a house in Doster right now. Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, yeah, but when you were a kid, that's probably seemed unattainable to you. Now, mind you, house in plain wall it's huge you know we got five acres and we got eight bedrooms and three bathrooms it's an awesome house but it's on you know a regular road where nobody wants to live it yeah it has water because it has a pond but it's not on a lake so nobody cares but i could go and buy a house on the lake in doster because I've been able to acquire that kind of wealth. Yep. Well, and you know, um, I'm not trying to brag. This isn't what this is for. Um, so yeah, a friend of a friend of mine just got just got his real estate license, right? Not too long back, and he his hope is to build a 
Yeah. He, he wants to be around higher end clientele. There's a house on Lake Michigan that he sees that's listed for $3.4 million. Dude, I want to get through this. Um, and so I was like, cool, schedule. I'll be your client or whatever. Pops up and the guy goes, you know, the, the person's like, ah, we need proof of funds. I got you. Hold on, right? Like, boom, proof of funds, send it over. And he's like, I know one person in my life that can do proof of funds for that amount of money. And he goes, it's you. That's it. <laughs> and it was like, right. But like, if you want, if you want to build your business around this type of a thing, you have to get around those types of people. You can't keep surrounding yourself. Again, we talk about that. The average of the five people you're around, right? Yep. Like, you know, and, and you need to understand that, hey, if you want to attain something, right? And this house is on Lake Michigan, very nice lake, but it's not going to get you, you know, to me, it wasn't perfect. It's like, I looked at it and said, oh, I can't put a sailboat there. I, like, I nitpicked random things out of it, right? Um, granted, I'm not going to spend $1.5 million on my house because, right? it is. Um, because I'd rather own 20 houses in 20 different locations for 100000 bucks, you know, whatever it is, than own one house that's going to make me house. Um, but, you know, yeah, but you and I look at the bigger picture. Too. 100%, right? Like, hey, what can I do? When can I get there? And, you know, it's funny because the drive to this place, the kid's telling me, or the guy, he's like, Oh yeah, this guy does this, this, this is where he went to school. He did this, he has this business. And I was like, that's the shit you need to know. Like that's the stuff you need to go find those people. Yeah. I, mean, I go to marketing events to be around this type of a thing, right? Like I, when I first went to my marketing, I thought I was the smallest player in the room. Come to find out I'm in the middle of players in the room. Um, but I need to hang around with the big player, right? Because I need to get to that. And if I never reach theirs, at least I'll get halfway. So, like, after I'm done working my full-time job tomorrow, yeah, I have to come here and work. Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. Because my wife has to go to the Chamber Gala. Yeah, see. Because she has to go over and schmooze. Yep. Now, we've gotten appointments out of that, so that's important. Oh, it's huge. So, I'm great with that. Go do what you need to do. I'll come in and I'll work the business. I'm happy to do it. You know, I came worked all day Saturday because we were really, really busy. Yep. Which is funny because I got I get a phone call from him on Friday, and he goes, "Man, I I could just really use to come see a friend and have a drink." Yep. I'm like, "All right, well, come up." And he goes, "Yeah, but you have to work." I'm like, "I'm not working." Right. So Mike came up, and then he came back Sunday because we watched football together. But Saturday I worked the entire day, you know, and and those things happen, which. That's a good segue into our, our next discussion here. I think we're going to hit everything we want to hit, and then we're going to get to talk about whatever we want. We're hoping. So Business Insider came out with posts the other day. I shared this with Mike. Um, and they were talking about working from home and what people have gone through during the pandemic and all sorts of stuff. And I thought it was pretty interesting the things they were saying so like one of the things was people that are working from home are getting sick of working from home of course which i don't understand i've been home for a decade i'm happy to be home don't ever bring me back to the office i don't want to be there now i know you would prefer to go to the office as, as would i as would you and, and i think I, a lot of that comes from the fact that 
you're an extrovert very much or not necessarily an extrovert but you like to be around some people yes i do i'm happy to not see anyone mm -hmm. i don't want to see anybody i don't want to talk to anybody i want to talk to the people i like but that's probably not people i work with you make it a priority to do that and you've been do. doing it long enough like where you know i i there's days where i like to be right but not for very long but i need to have interaction and again like when I commute, did you communicate via Facebook, text, right? Like, yeah. whenever I contact you, what is it? Freaking phone call, right? Yeah. Like, every time. Because I want instant answers. I yeah. want them now. This is what it is. I don't want to sit there and play the text game back and forth with you. Right. <laughs> Especially, right? But, like, Dave will be like, hey, this is what it is. And then I'll be like, oh, awesome. And then he knows that he'll either call me or I'll call him because then we'll talk about it because – my text, instant gratification my text lingo isn't gonna happen like i want an answer and i want it now like my my dealing with contractors it's like hey i have to deal with, like just call me tell me what it is boom get it done well one of the things they talk about is the boundaries between work and home yep so oh, it's hard to separate it, it really is especially when you work from home yep. so people have been working more now that they've been at home yep. so now i going. had that what's that, that sorry very is much exactly I, so I've worked, you know, my, I have a regular nine to five. I laughed because this morning I was there at six in the morning Correct. Um, job, but you know, it's a regular salary position. And then I've always taught too. And like explained, that's a separate job at the same place. But so I was one of these people that never thought he would like working from home. And in fact, we were told about two weeks before the pandemic booted us all out of the office that it was going to happen any day now. In fact, the week before, I was told, take anything you need out of your office, this is a Friday, take it home because you're probably going to be working from home. And then, sure enough, a few days later, we were. And at first, I was like, oh, this is going to be awful. I don't want to work from home. I want my home to be my house. I don't want it to be work. And I'm going to have to get a whole new routine. And that was true for about three months and then about 90 days into it i had a routine down pat six months into it i um started to look back at all these work logs i was keeping and it made me realize wow i actually get more work done at home and then a year into it i get a lot more work done at home and why is that it's because when you're in the office, because human beings are human beings and we're social animals, mm -hmm. we like to chit chat and go off on tangents and play games and meetings. And I'm not diminishing the importance of that. Human interaction is very important. But from a productivity point of view, it has to have its limits if your job is to get all kinds of things done every single day. And mm -hmm. so now I'm in the position where I'm working in the office some days and at home some days. And it's very interesting because it's been this way since uh, the summer, actually. So now I kind of have this at the end of the week, I'll evaluate, okay, the days I worked in the office, what did I accomplish? The days I worked from home, what did I accomplish? And if the two don't match up, I ask myself, why? What happened when you were at the office on Wednesday that made you not get X, Y, and Z done that you were able to get done on Thursday? Or conversely, if I had a work from home day and I thought, well, geez, I meant to get that done. Why didn't I get it done that day? 
ask myself. So, but the, the culture is so important. What I realized is that my job is completely different now. Even though ostensibly it's not, I do the same type of work, but it's a very different job when I'm doing it from home. Oh yeah. Well, and, and when I'm in the office, you hold yourself to, uh, I have to, so I'm dealing with this exact situation right now. So, uh, we've kind of talked, I'm a, I'm a third party person for management. Um, they do pay me. And, and so they wanted me to start tracking what I do when I do it. So, um, to do billable hours, and I was mm-hmm. like, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to know what I do every second of my day. So like, you know, I've broken down my hours. And so week one, I, I wrote out like everything, you know, just hey, who I talk to, when I talk to them, how yep. I talk to them, what I, you know, and stuff like that. And then this week, I'm trying to make myself be in the office as much as possible. Because, and now, like, now my thing, it's just phone call, email, phone call, email. Where on my last week's schedule is, met this contractor, did this, did this, did this, did this, like, I have, you know, and so now, like, this sheet just shows, okay, hey, so, and you're going to sit here and look and go, why didn't anything get done here? And wow, we're, we're, we did a lot here, but we didn't bill, for, like, what can we do here? And it's like, I'm going to show you why I do what I do, how I do it, when I do it. You want, you want, you have questions, here's the answers. So, um, I uh, say it makes you think about, I mean, the terminology I use, and I even used it way before this pandemic changed our work environment. I used to ask my colleagues sometimes when we'd be planning out projects and whatnot, you know, are we rationalizing our work? Meaning, is there a good reason for doing not only what we're doing, but how we do it? And working from home, when I was keeping work logs, which my employer wanted me to do at first because they didn't know how long it was going to last. And yep. so we did and we flew in the shared workspace. And it, that, every time I wrote my work log for the day, it made me think of it right there. Okay, you know, was it a good idea to spend 20 minutes doing this when, you know, when you were in the office, maybe you spent an hour doing it. Why did it take you so much longer there than it does here or vice versa? And well, okay, let's think about it. If you were doing this in the office, you would have started working on it and so-and-so would have come in the cubicle. You guys would have talked for five minutes. It would have been an important conversation. But then now you got to go back to the work you're working on, pick up where you left off. And then five minutes later, they come back in the cubicle again and on and on it goes. They're all important conversations, but yet when you're at home, you get to decide when they happen. Yeah. So, Well, and that was, you know, one of the things that got brought up to me was you go pick up your kid a few days a week or whatever. I shouldn't pay you to pick your kid up. And I said, yes, you should. Because I literally make sure that I am doing business. Usually I'm texting and making a phone call while I'm driving there. I I'm talking while I'm outside waiting for my kid, like, because I want to make sure that when I'm not there, I don't want you to get any inclination that I'm not earning this. And, And I will take a two minute break to say, hi, honey. How was your day? What did you learn? And she'll say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And it's a joke that we have. Like, there's a book yeah. that says it. And then we get in the car and she goes, where am I going? And I said, daddy's got to go to work. Boom. I get back on the phone and do whatever, drop her off. And then, yes, I take another two minutes to say goodbye. I love you. I'll see you, whatever. And that's it. Like, so I've taken a four minute break. I don't take a break during the day. And yes, 
and I tell him, I say, hey, look, there is times like I, I'll, I'll go without lunch type thing. And but one day a week, I will meet with somebody. And you're right. I do take a 30 minute lunch. Right. And I mm-hmm. will charge you for that 30 minute lunch because. In theory, I'm on the clock all the time and I'm probably building a, a relationship to, to buy yeah, the next property. Like, to keep that's an people- important distinction because, you know, hourly, hourly, straight up hourly wage. I've had plenty of jobs like that. You punch in, you get there, you're paid for your time. Yes, you're paid to do work while you're there. But the reason why you're an hourly employee is because you're paid to do that work during a time that the ownership is managing. Salaried employee, the theory is you're paid for a big picture job. And some weeks it takes 40 hours to do it. Some weeks it takes 60 hours to do it. Who cares? Okay, we're not paying you hourly, we're paying you to do a job writ large, and we'll figure out how long it takes, but you're not, you know, we're not going to keep track of every minute necessarily, and billable hours sounds, that is, you know, professional work, an attorney sets his rates at $285 a billable hour, $685 a billable hour, and, you know, the understanding is, he answers your phone call, okay, that's a billable hour. Now, if he answers your phone call and goes back into the law office and does some research, hopefully. Still billable hours. Still billable hour. Yeah, you know, and so mine mine became, um, you know, uh, I, because of who I am, and I've, I I short range myself. If I got a phone call at six o'clock and I got done at six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, I knew I had a little bit of time, again, picking up my daughter or doing whatever, even though I made sure, like at that time, I wasn't, I wrote down an eight hour day, mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't, or a nine hour day, right? So I, I'm charging how busy I felt, like, granted, I, in theory, I worked 12, right? So last week on my sheet, right? I took, a, I, I got my first text or phone call at this time, and I stopped at 7.30. I said, you made me fill this out. You will now be paying me 13 full hours. Mm-hmm. I have documented everything that happened. You're going to nitpick that I have to stop the clock once the phone hangs up and then start it again seven minutes later when the phone rings again. That's, that's just isn't going to work for me. Like, right. Like I said, this will be the one reason I quit this job because I'm sure. not, I'm not going to do Careful it. Careful what you ask for, right? Because you oh, might so get like, the answer. Right. So like normally I'm averaging on paper 45, 48 hours. But I tell you what, last week, if I had to do math, I probably will get a check for 20 something hours <laughs> it's like last week was just f you week and like it literally shows hey this and then i mean i have i have everything for hey i was at home okay did this sent this email did this talk to this person you know but ladies in the office once in a while be like you don't need to send me an email at 11 o'clock or one o'clock in the morning you're right i don't have to but if i don't that puts me that much behind tomorrow and I'd rather get it done right now because if not, or I'll forget, right? <laughs> like, and that's, and you can't, you can't hold me to that responsibility if you're expecting me to be on a phone past five o'clock. So like at my current job, I've had some great bosses. Yeah. I could probably count them on one hand. Yeah. Me. You have never been my boss. I will be. I'm going, to co- I'm going to college just to do it. Anyways, I remember one specific. I'll enroll you in one of my history classes. We'll have a grand old time. 
<laughs> I remember one specifically who was like four bosses ago. Yeah. She goes, I've looked at your hours. I'm never going to make you work like that. And I went, okay. And then open enrollment hit. And guess who worked like that? Yeah. Because that's what it took to get the job done. And when she left and went to a new department, I got a new boss who decided, we're not paying that anymore. You're going to go salary. Yeah, that's fine. I had no problem going salary, but I'm working that way. salary means you're getting 45 hours out of me. You're not getting 90 anymore. Uh -huh. right, so I remember you working 90. Yeah, things just kind of fell by the wayside for a while until I got somebody else in there that was good at what they did. And then I could train them and say, this is what needs to be done. And they did it because unfortunately, you know, when that, that boss came in that pushed me to salary, person I had was just the sweetest woman, but older, not really technically good at what we needed to be done. It was like hiring me. It, it kind of was like hiring you. Yeah, probably first probably. It, it, it might've been. So, I mean, I had to sit there and go, okay, well, when I'm hourly, I'm doing the job of two people. Yep. Now you've made me salary, so I'm only doing my job now. So don't ask me for anything extra because it's just not happening. Yep. Uh, you know, and, so and honestly, the best part about working from home for me, I get to spend all the time I want with my cats. I love my cats. I want to be around my cats. I know David has a dog. Yep. Likes and to be I around got, his dog. That's right. If I hadn't been working from home, because I work a lot of hours a week and don't even keep track, but it's a lot. And so I'm not home a lot before the pandemic hit. And right before the pandemic hit, this guy right here left me after 13 and a half years. Oh, that was, that was Brody. Brody, and he, he broke my heart. Dave met Brody. Brody and was an 800 pound um, baby horse. He was a horse, but he was more like the, the biggest baby you've ever met. Yes. And he was huge. He was just yeah. the biggest baby. Yeah. Very big dog, but a very big heart. Just a sweetheart. And He would just me. lay on you and be happy. Yeah. Uh, and it broke my heart when he left me. And But that's what happens. We live, we die. And he did. And so what happened was I went a year, almost to the day after he passed away, I got a little eight-week-old Chesapeake Bay Retriever. That's what type of dog Brody was. I would have never been able to do that had I not been at home because an eight-week-old puppy, if you ever want to get the thing house trained, which you got to get because yeah. they get big quick and the messes get big quick, you got to be home with them all the time. And I was, and it was great because I had that dog house trained at four months. And uh, you know what? That was an opportunity that I would have, again i would have never had and at, i was able to get every bit the same amount of work done but because i was at home you know the two minutes to let them out isn't the 10 minute round trip to the men's room and back i have at the office because it's way on the other end of the building and the building i work in is the size of a shopping mall so you know there was certainly no loss of productivity there but there was a great boost in emotional health yeah well i mean you you sit there and, and you're with somebody you care about daily well, and that's yep. and that's right my working from home minus like the month where i was yep. like only allowed to go into work like well we had four of us in my position 
we were told one person from that position had to be in each day. The fact that I was the most senior person in that position, I said, I get to come in because I'm the most senior person. After that, after, you know, school started back up in session, the days I worked from home were the days I had my kid. And it was the same thing. It was because I wanted to be there for what I is the most important thing in my life, which is my kids. Well, of course. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, my colleagues kind of laughed the first time I told them this, but after I said it a couple of times, they really got to thinking until about 200 years ago, um, there was never a separation in life between um, work and family and home. People work by their children, their whole lives. And we didn't pay the state to take care of our kids. Now, there's a good reason why we do now, because yep. we want our kids to learn a lot more than what we could have taught them two or 300 years we ago. We don't want them working for like 30 cents an hour in a factory. Sure. And yeah, because that wasn't a good way to treat kids. The factory owner loved it because he got little workers that did dangerous things and you could pay them a few crumbs. And you can with stick it, your hand in that little, that really big machine. Yes, you can crawl under weaving cotton mills and pick up the threads before they light the building on fire. And if you get chewed up in one, oh, well. Your mom will have less, one less mouth to feed when she gets home tonight. And it was a horrible world. But my point is to the separation between the home life and work life is a fairly recent phenomenon in society. And, and at one time, people actually would have been abhorred at the thought of sending their kids away during the day. What do you mean I'm sending my kids away? They're my kids. We don't send them away anymore. Yeah, now than, it's you know. like every, every employer you have, unless it's a really like crappy employer one of the things they're asking you about do you feel you have a good work life balance oh yeah and i'm yeah. sure there's places out there that are horrible and don't care well mind you serve you absolutely one of those but i i've been at my job 19 years and work-life balance has always been a big issue yep. so like yeah, and it is where i work too i mean my employer is absolutely great about I that think they that are boils down a little bit too to the more professional the job you're doing the more that people value their their balance between their work and their personal sure sure yeah if you're working like you know mcdonald's probably cares about the work-life balance of their executives that work in you know the big offices and you know maybe even the you know store managers and you know down to that level about the work-life balance of josh flipping hamburgers oh probably not well so you know most people don't know this i actually worked at mcdonald's for a very short period of time Five days. Um, some people might not know this, but Mike and I worked together at Wendy's yeah, for a yeah. short period of time. Hell, mine was worked, a, we worked together for sure. First, I worked there well, we side. worked there together for like a year and a half. I uh, say I, I had a manager, so I, I was not raised to sweep. I'm not a great sweeper. Uh, and I had a manager uh, push me and I hit my shoulder into uh, a wall, right? Because like a protruding wall and I hit my shoulder I was like yeah F this like I'm out um they it was funny because they actually called me um after I didn't show up for like a week or something and uh I you know I was young and whatever I was uh I said are you you the stupidest people I've met like I literally was pushed by somebody physically harmed like at the time I thought I was gonna be a bull of god right I was like they, they hurt my shoulder like I should sue you for everything because you, you might don't, be able. 
right? Like you shouldn't, you should never lay your hands on somebody. Like that's not a way to manage. Um, and so when I, I traded them, I think I only worked probably four hours that week, right? And so my paycheck was going to be 32 bucks minus tax. Yep. And they gave me like four pairs of black pants, which I could use in bowling. <laughs> so, so I kept my uniform. The only way you can get your money back is bring your uniform in. And I said, well, no, it's cool. Like $8 a pair of pants. Like I'm yeah, not. That's I, sure. What? You, you made out all right. $8. We've called this an even trade. I... I did all right. Like, so yeah. I, I gotta yeah. say, honestly, I didn't know people when you worked at like, I, I don't want to say a menial job, but oh, a menial job. I didn't, know, I didn't know people made you pay for the shirts and crap because we worked at Wendy's. I didn't have Wendy's, to pay for a shirt. Wendy's say always supplies. We didn't, we didn't sure have to pay for it. We were, it probably has because Caitlin has to buy her shirts. Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah. So my brother was too at Meyer. Yeah. But, so like McDonald's will give you X amount of uniforms. You can buy more. But Caitlin got one. Getting four pairs of pants at that young of an age. And we couldn't afford Huge. pants to be a bowling, right? Like, so I needed black dress pants to bowl in or, or khaki pants, which is so I was like, dude, I have four pair of pants and I've never I've never owned four pair of black pants. And <laughs> I'm wearing Yeah, and even like, you know, I'm I'm gonna assume this was at least a few years ago, but yeah. Geez, even when I started working, which was almost 30 years ago, God, it's hard to believe it's been I'm almost that old. It was. Sure. Yeah, you're almost that old. It, uh, $8 even back then would have been a pretty good deal if they were a decent pair of trousers, you know? They, were, they, they made they out were, all right. I think yeah. they were dickies, to be honest. Like, yeah, and those things are thick. I mean, you could, like, yeah. you know, yeah. take a well, knife up to them. And I, it, it I, have nice, I, have, I have a nice, like, as big of a guy as I am, I have, I have a nice slide, right? So, like, my, my legs go pretty far, like, so I didn't, I'll, I'll rip a pair, I usually rip at least one pair of pants a season, right? Like I haven't been bowling in uh, probably, I don't know, 30 years, so, yeah. or close to it, Jesus, it's been uh, at least 25, but I, is there a dress code, I'm going to ask out of ignorance, is there no. a, a dress code you generally should wear a nice pair of slacks when you bowl, or is uh, that com- just... In competition. In competition, the... okay. Yep, so in, I'm sure it's similar to like how golfers. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Slacks yep. and a polo thing. So just yep. as much as in competition bowling. Um, so like when I go to nationals, right? I can't mm-hmm. wear I can't wear shorts. I can't wear pants with pockets on the sides. Like you can't wear spots and ears. Correct. Actually, if I put a collar on it, I could wear it. So like now, now fun jerseys are kind of the okay. big thing. Next. Yeah, Next investment collar, butts and roof shirts. Oh my yeah, god! You guys can sponsor X right off the thing. Yep. That's right. Sponsor is um, bowling. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if people would start donating a little more, everybody yeah. listening. Um, <laughs> they donate beer every once in a while. They're not going to donate money. Uh, we money. actually, we've, we've had a couple people give us a couple <laughs> bucks. You guys ought to get, you ought to get jerseys. They should, they should be your, saving uh, that soccer cash fan. for investment. Well, yeah. No, and you guys said, could sell your... You have to give some money to live life um but nick but you was, guys could sell you could make jerseys for your show and you could sell advertisements on it just like the soccer teams do right so it could be the you know oh my gosh yeah we could yeah. See? right sponsored by like the strip club and there you go Bud Light whatever yeah all the other whatever fun. man you go out and just you um, know pound doors in the town and and just keep bidding it up say hey your neighbor was gonna buy mm-hmm. one for you know 20 yep. bucks strip club really <laughs> Dude, think about that. Strip <laughs> up, play, play anymore. They'll be having Angus beef steak. 
Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You know, my favorite, my, my favorite advertisements that you see on the a lot of the European soccer teams is it's always sports gambling teams. Always. Or, or companies, almost always. So it's hey, like, you know, the guy's running down, together. he's gonna or he's standing there, he's gonna make a corner kick, and there it is, you know, yep. bet4u.com. My <laughs> wife goes all the time. She's Shut like, up. Why do you care about this Thursday night game? I'm like, because Fox Bet gives me a free five dollar bet every Thursday night, and I'm trying to win four whole dollars. Um, she should know by now that four whole dollars on free bet is like that's like that's huge. She sent me a message earlier today and she goes, Hey, just so you know, if these two teams win, I had a free bet I used on MGM and I'll win like 25 bucks. I'm like, Awesome. There you go. I don't know which NHL teams. I know the Rangers was one. I don't know the other one. Oh, I thought, yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, don't, don't bet on the Red Wings. Don't bet on the Red Wings. You'll lose. They're not good anymore. They used to be, but. Have you met the Lions? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I gotta honestly say, I was so pissed about Sunday's game because I hate the Vikings and I was rooting for the Lions and and we're watching you know games and shit. And I'm like, oh my god, they went for two, they got it, they're gonna win. And Mike goes, there's 37 seconds left. That's and right, like, and and I was watching with my brother, and I and I said to him when there's about okay, a minute left in the second quarter, I said, Dan, I guarantee the Lions are gonna lose this game. And so then they, they, they're, uh, you know, they're marched down the field. There's a couple minutes left and the guy scores a touchdown. And Dan says, I bet they go for the two point conversion. Well, they did. And they made it. And then that's when we looked at the clock. We said, yeah, there's 37 seconds left. This team has no defense whatsoever. It ain't over yet. And sure enough. The guy hits a record setting field goal. Yeah. That's just in the. (laughs) I know. I, I watched yeah. that, and they lose. I didn't watch last week's because I'm I'm officially done. Like you I were know. out and doing stuff. Yeah, I was. I was yeah. just enjoying my life because, and everybody knows, like I love football, right? Like, yeah. But I know I take it too. Like, I we scored the touchdown two weeks ago. I'm cloud nine cheering. I'm whatever, right? And then we get the the no penalty for whatever. I just throw something at my TV, and I'm so I think it was one of those poppets from my daughter. I was glad it was rubber, so you didn't like, break it. Yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, all right. Like, I I have a turn into a cynic, and then, and, then, and, then he, into a cynic. and then he kicks it, and I like my wife like she just turned the TV off. <laughs> she didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like it re- like you're reminding me of like why I don't take things serious anymore. Like we we just left. I said, okay, like, I, because I do, I take it to heart, like, I'm a fan, right, but, like, I want, you want your team to do well. No, I you want do, your team but to you actually fucking win, I don't care about well, okay? You can't overdo it, I though. don't they, care about no, well. Here has learned one thing for me, when I went, that's something, either he really cares about, or we both really care about, basically, for me to just shut up and not say anything. Yep. Because many Cubs games that we've watched, I've said, yeah, you know, unfortunately, this could still happen, and it happens. Yes, all, all the time. Sometimes yeah. it's good. Like a couple of years ago, he goes, hey, "It'd be really cool if Javi hit a home run here." And then Javi hits a home run, and we're like, yeah. Yeah. "I still talk about. I've talked about this. Before. I talk about that game. I can't remember what year it was, but we were in at Wrigley Field. Yep. We were playing the game where." We each picked a player, and depending what that would have been, 1998. Yeah. 
point. They were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, it's like, pathetic. I know this. You had Devin White. Yeah, but it was like Ken or somebody was in the lead. No, it wasn't Ken. I, I think it was Bill. Maybe Bill. And I made a comment about, well, you're in the lead, but if like people are needy, it's a home run here. You're going to lose to whoever else. <laughs> and he <laughs> did. I still, I think it was Devin White. If Devin White hits a home run here, and I think he did. Mind you, the Cubs still won, which was great for us. But that dude, I, I think it was Bill, was totally pissed off because he lost. Like I said, I tell the story. It was one of my, my sister Meg was, I don't know, maybe 96. So it was like the Olympics. So it was back when McDonald's would do the, yeah. like kill offs. Yeah, yeah. For the Olympics, yep. and oh, if yeah. the U.S. won a gold medal in that event, you'd get something for you know, you know, prize. Ninety-six, they were in Atlanta. Yep. So yep. In, and my sister was like, "I hope I get basketball." And I said, "Something you're gonna get something like you know, women's lightweight judo and like field hockey." <laughs> and she got like two things, and it was literally women's judo yep. and field hockey. I think that's called intuition. It's, it's not called intuition, but it's just. <laughs> but, I was giving you a compliment. I call it intuition. It makes you look smart, right? In all honesty, Mike, <laughs> they they only printed one men's basketball. Probably, yes. Yeah, similar to Boardwalk. Right. Uh, they would do one exactly. Out. No, they would print Boardwalk. They wouldn't print our play. Never would right. You'd have 7,500 boardwalks but one one park place I, I, and the person that got park place would throw that shit away oh, all the time yeah. i said me yeah. i would just play for like the three dollars like the free the free large fryer yeah something, yeah right? yeah it was just that's that's what he's gave and it's learned if it's something he really cares about he's got to tell me to shut up yeah, shut up yeah well because he, I, he 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 wanted the vikings to lose i did i so really wanted to the end of the world the vikings won Oh, he didn't get mad at me. Nope. Saying, you know, well, there's still 37 seconds left. It yeah, is the Lions. It's the Lions, and that's it. You can't get too upset about it. You know, I when I was pretty little, I don't know, five, six, uh, I remember watching the I, I I can't remember if it was the I think it was a divisional playoff. I don't think it was the NFC championship game. The Lions played the um I think it was the 49ers, but anyways, it came down to a field goal and the Lions missed it and they lost and they were out of the playoffs and it was their early eighties. And I remember my dad. Probably one of the years that Sasquatch went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember my dad getting kind of upset about it. And at that time I thought Mm. to myself, why would you get that upset about something stupid you're watching on TV? You know, I'm just a tiny little kid. And ever since then, I've, I'm as big of a Lions fan as the next guy here. And But I just laugh when they do stupid stuff because it's the Lions. <laughs> They're going to do it. I mean, look, you don't need to look any further than the Lions had Jim Caldwell, probably the best coach of that team had had since Bobby Ross, and no probably about it. Yep. They fired him. For having a winning record, they get a guy who has absolutely no experience as a head coach. They get a general manager who got coffee for Bilicek for eight years, and that was his expertise in drafting NFL players. And when they did that, I said to myself, 
okay, so if you're going to fire a guy, you're going to get somebody in that's better. They didn't. I bet this doesn't turn out too good. And boy, it didn't. People talk about the Lions being snake bit. No, they aren't. They're owned by a family that has not a clue as to what they're doing. There's no black magic about it. They do dumb things. Yes, they're owned by ownership that does stupid things. They always have been since the, you know, early 1960s. Here's a little fact for you. The Detroit Lions, William Clay Ford became the majority owner of the team. He owned shares in them before, you know, private Mm -hmm. shares, the way it was set up. But he became the majority owner of the team, meaning the owner of it, on the same day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Really? Yep. That is the day that he inked the deal. So four family have yeah, they've owned that team for a long, long time. And the Lions have never gone to the Super Bowl since the Fords have owned that team. They were championship winners before that time. Absolutely they were. Yep. And I hate to break the news, but as long as the Fords own that team, they'll never go to the Super Bowl. It won't happen because they aren't capable of building a management structure that would allow it to happen. So I believe it. I believe today is the day. That I bought, that I bought my first house? No. You're absolutely correct. In like no, really, 2012. Thank you. Thank you. In like 2012. No, it was 2010. The Cubs decided to change their fate and they hired Theo Epstein. You might be right. I, I'm pretty sure I saw that. It was either yesterday or today. I want to say it was 2012. Um, and again, I, you know, a losing franchise for years and years and years. Yeah, they had some times where they were good. I mean, they were good in 90 or 89, 98, 84, 84, 2003. But for the most part, I mean, again, lovable losers. Yeah, and, and they were good for a season. Correct. They never yeah. had multiple seasons where they were good until they hit 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Right. Well, you know, you didn't have Illich trying to pull a Yankees and literally buy one World Series before he died and then have your team get swept in the playoffs and then sell off all the greatest pitchers yeah, that we've all seen yeah, but out of so many. Let's not talk about sports anymore. Let's get back to finance because I'm done with my Detroit. So, so okay. do, you want, do you want to hit retirement here before we got to go? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, we got about 19 minutes left. Watch this. Ready? David. Yeah. Uh, nope. Sorry. Mr. Seawick. Yes. Uh, when are you going to retire? When I'm tired of working. For you. You love what you do. Yeah. You, you, I, have, a, you have a passion. You care about it. Benson? I better retire. I mean, uh, I'll work until my kids are, you know, so that gives me at least 12 more years. Daddy <laughs> graduates from high sure. school. You know, if I'm happy at my job, I might work five years beyond that. I might still be pretty close to 60 by my retirement. So, so we brought up we brought up Mikey, which is one of David's best friends. Um, you will never retire, right? Right, because and I wish we had him here, right? I, I really do, because again, when we look at retirement, so yeah, no, you're like when we look at retirement, it's it's you have to have a plan of action to get there, right? Well, and he's forty six years old, and I I know he had a four hundred one k when he worked at Big Top, sure, but. I, I remember when Harding's bought Big Top out or bought Steve out and he sold the store in Plainwell. Yeah, Lou. Oh. yeah that uh, he cashed out the, the 401k because he needed to pay off some bills. 
which, okay, fine, but I don't think he has any retirement since then, which pushes us to, are you ever going to get to retire? Right. Um, you know, so you and I, we talked off air. I gave you a phone call yesterday. So yeah. Like, yeah. My life is, my life has changed. Yep. So technically not my life, but my business has changed, right? Correct. My mom is now 12 days from getting let go from her job that she's had for 41 or 42 years at Steel Panther Corporation. Right? She had surgery a year ago, um, took medical leave. It did not heal well. Uh, she went however long, had to have a second surgery and cannot walk or stand on her That's more of a medical so it's not a retirement, right? So they're going to let her go. Yeah. She, she is 59 in November. Yep. She'll be 59 and a half, six months after that. Which, yep. Um, so in, 59 is, you're 59 and a half. So May, right? So I guess, because, yeah. So May, May 20 something. So then she can start drawing something from somewhere. So, um, you know, my, when I tell you guys I grew up poor, and I give my mom credit, I had no idea up until a little bit ago. Yep. Um, we, we, we grew up, I mean, my, to the day, right? If you ask me how much my mom has her bank account, I'll tell you what about, right? Like maybe if she's lucky right now. And that's, um, she might've got paid, who knows? But like, she was very smart mm -hmm. and she invested and she invested well. So now she has a decent amount of money in her retirement. Mm -hmm. And that's all going to go bye-bye. That time she passed. Right. Right. Um, but that's the goal, right? right? Well, exactly. That like, if you end up with one dime in your account, that if you have nobody, you leave the dime to who gives a shit. Yep. You leave a dime to one kid that they get a dime. If you leave a dime to two, they get five cents, right? Yep. Like, um, she happens to have three of us. Um, you know, get three and a half cents. Oh my point. No. So here's the here's the truth. So I'm looking through my mom's finances. This is what's gonna be really fun to me. So I'm sitting here and I'm helping my mom figure all this out. My sister gets 33.34. My brother gets 33.33, and I get 33.33 of whatever's left. Granted, of zero, it's fuck you. But I looked at her and I said, I'm not fucking helping you unless you change this. Right? Like I better get the I better get that. You better get that extra right? percent. My do you see you, my sister anywhere? You want the four sons and you yeah. each of your sibling love. Yeah, like sibling love. You gotta, like, you gotta, have you seen my sister? Well, no, I mean, so, honestly, you, you know my Nick's sister. right because his sister's not worth that extra point one. <laughs> oh, point man. one. Point oh one. I don't want to eat either way Thanksgiving yeah. dinner with you guys. Jeez, Louise. No, no. It's like we, we talk uh <laughs> talked once in a year, twice. Um but yeah, so you know, we so my family and I don't talk. Everybody knows this. Like it's it's a very open thing. I used to talk to your family, but I don't anymore. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. I did, really, yeah. David and I became friends because of my sister. Yeah, right? Technically, yes. I mean, in theory. Well, I, yeah. You knew my it sister. And I said, okay, hey, cool. You know her too. Um, I thought it was grandpa or whatever. Well, it, softball, it was. But like, so it's through. So, oh, hey, you're Archie's grandpa. Okay, cool. And then it was like. Oh, we live next to your sister. So, like, oh, no shit. Like, so Nick tossed out the biggest dickhead softball coach in Grand Rapids at the time. Yeah. And then we get a message from his sister that goes, I heard my brother kick somebody out. I'm coming. <laughs> and we're like, that's your brother. <laughs> I didn't know. She had to see him in action, right? Yep. 
yeah. Um, I, I was a lot thinner at the time. Um, probably like 150 pounds, if not more. I, I got was, I got a picture on my phone. I was still six foot something tall. He's <laughs> looking at me. He, he was four eight. Yeah, I say. Um, but no, so like Nick, you, are right? you like, six foot something? I'm six six one, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'm not anywhere near six feet tall, and I, you know, probably don't weigh quite what you do. So I bet I would look kind of small if I was next to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so small, just here, next to all three of us. Well, here, here, you might be more. Here's the funny thing. In terms of height. So my my mom my mom is probably like five four five five. My brother, or my my two brothers. Excuse me, my brother. My two brothers are five six. My sister is five six. Or so. My two brothers might be five seven, right? And then you have me at six one. My father is six foot tall. Like it is, it blows my mind. Like I'm the only one that got the growth out of us. So like uh, when I was thinner, right? Like I, I used like, it all up. <laughs> right. I got I got the best of everything at one point in my life. I, I was I was much thinner. Going all right. Like my my one brother has a hundred pounds on me, plus six inches shorter than me at least, right? My other brother is probably 100, 150 pounds lighter than me. And still six inches shorter than me. And my sister now, I mean, dude, she's probably 300 pounds lighter than me. <laughs> like she's skin and bones, but um, say, but it, so I, I'm the only one that's actually like, I look above my entire family. But there's an important twist. Oh, factual statement. I, I probably do. My sister might give me a run for my money. <laughs> she <laughs> might, but it's definitely not as long. Yeah. Um, no. But, you know, we, when we look, so I know, like I, I've been talking to my mom. So I talked to David, and I said, "Hey, look, like now we're getting to serious points, right? Like yep. I need, I need me to take my emotions out of this, yep. and I need to do this." And so, like I, I told him, I said, "Hey, I talked to my mom, and uh, I said, Mom, what do you want to do with this amount of money?'" And she goes, "I need it to last the rest of my life." And I said, "Okay, if it lasts you the rest of your life, and you, <laughs> and you end up with zero, oh yeah, it's, it's exactly it." Uh, you can show the camera. That's okay. Um, you had short hair. I've always been bald, man. No, like I, so my, my, my younger, so my, I'm the youngest, my next youngest brother um, became bald at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I used to brag to these guys that I was, like, oh, I have a full, I, I didn't probably start becoming bald until probably 20. So That's why you've got it all down here. It just oh, went from here to right? here. Like, That's all that yeah. happened, right? You're just not same. bald. You just need to. Tell him to look at the other part of your face. Yeah, the same. But um, I had, of my head, not top. I had a luscious mane. I mean, all through high school, I had hair and stuff like that. I, say. I, I just want to say that Borat's son, Huey Lewis, <laughs> had a whole pubis. <laughs> but so, you know, I, 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 I talked to my mom and she said she doesn't want any of the money, right? Like she, I said, so you leave us, if you leave us nothing, you're okay with that. And she said, yes. And I said, she goes, is that bad? And I said, no, it's a very honest response that is very respectful. Like, I, in the, like, truly, like, from the bottom of my heart, I don't care. Like, I tell my grandparents, so my grandpa now, I'm like, dude, if you pass and you have nothing, who gives a shit? Like, you've made it in life, right? Like, don't live your life, but living the way you do. Like, and everyone's like, no, no, you gotta, you gotta do this. And I was like, leverage your house to the hilt. Do anything the fuck you want. Like, I don't 
care. It's the same argument I have with my mother over the money Aunt Sue left. Right. Do what you need to do. I don't need your money. Right. Right. And and cool. If I get you five, sell that grain for twenty bucks at some point. Oh, that grain's going to be worth eight ninety five. <laughs> so you know, and so I was like, all right, hey, awesome. At least now I have a game plan, right? So then I go to David and I'm like, hey, what do you think about saying fuck you to this money? And he's like, you're being honest. You're you're all for it. And then. Right, so like now we're we're in the middle of talking about hey, how do we make my mom's life livable? Right, yeah. like she needs to last thirty more years. Right, I mean, if she goes longer, awesome. But let's be honest, I mean, she's already falling apart. Well, we figure eighty nine is a decent enough age. Very much. Right, like so if we can get her to eighty nine, we're doing what we need to do. And then people are like, oh, you're an asshole. No, guess what? Like by thirty years from now, I'm gonna have fuck you money like no disrespect to anybody listening i'm not trying to be an asshole but like i mean i'm at the I, same point i don't I, want my will, mother's money because i'm gonna have money right like i will officially be able to front whatever the hell she needs yep. from 90 to 107 right like but 30 years of fronting her money no but like now if i can make her give me 30 more years so i can build my wealth yep awesome <laughs> like and if I fail, guess what? I failed, but like she'll be in dementia. She'll never know, right? Like, um, so it's it's just um, so. And, and I love to pick David's brain because he understands that I am. I, I respect David because he understands that I don't come from greed. I come from how do I make the right decision? And he has a very non-biased opinion because he comes from I don't give a shit what happens because I know I get zero dollars, zero cents out. Yep. So we both pick each other's brain and go, and, and dude, I threw what, like 10 ideas by yesterday, like really quick. And, and, and we kept yeah. talking about them to figure out which one sounds the best. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, I got to hang up. I got to call this person. Yeah. I got to call this person. And here it is like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I'm leaving voicemails for people. <laughs> like, so I, I'm going to interrupt this. We, we don't have much time left, but yeah. I, I'm going to tell a quick story. Yeah. So you're speaking of dementia. Yeah. So my grandmother, you know, gets to the point of dementia. And I, I want, David will find this interesting. I think Mike already knows this. So I, I was never David. I was Eddie or George, which are her two brothers. I was Jack or Jackson, which we have no idea who the hell that was. One time, I was Mikey. <laughs> and she told that to one of the aides at the place she was at. And she looks at me and she goes, your name's Mikey? I said, no, Mikey's my best friend. He's like six two and blonde and skinny. And she goes, "Okay." Billy, <laughs> <laughs> which Dawn was Gertrude or Geraldine. My mother was Anna or Stephanie, which were also uh, her sisters. Caitlin was always Caitlin, which shocked the hell out of us. Wow. Yeah. Um. I say, David, uh, any any information you'd like to give us before we uh, split ways here? No, I think um, I have my little rant on the Lions. So you guys uh, gave me that platform for a minute and a half. That was nice of you. So thank Is you. It. Um, no, I think we're uh, we're good for now. Good. Uh, I hope to have you back. Um, I, yes, I appreciate I'm your now. I appreciate your, your your telling us honestly that you applied for a job with master's degrees and literally getting offered fifteen. Um, I'm because, a contract, right? So because not even guaranteed work. 
That's right. Yeah. Not even guaranteed work. And like, you know, we talk about the money aspect and it's, it's, I, it's funny because like I make more than my wife. People don't know that, but like when I, when I brag to people, it's that my wife makes good money doing contract work, right? She's, she does in-home therapy and this is where she makes real money, right? Like as an OT, I'm like, man, I just say big dollars an hour type thing. And I'm like, if they were offered at 15 bucks an hour, I'd, I'd literally tell her to tell them where to shove it, how they could shove it and when to shove it. Right. Like, but um, for you as a professor to be offered 15, that's just a slap in the face. Um, well, and, and yeah, because, and believe me, I would have no problem working for $15 an hour if it was a job that, you know, the expectation was it's a $15 an hour Sorting job. gumballs, right? Yeah, there's like, not a lot of skill. There's not a lot of expectation. You know, we'll put you in a room. We'll have you sort gumballs. Right. The number of dots in the ceiling. And when the time's up, you go home. <laughs> But yeah, like I was that, delivering food for. Actually, I say that I just realized that we have we have four yeah. just four minutes left. I yeah. I want to talk about this. So, Doordash. Doordash. I don't do it anymore. Not doing it anymore. Uh, how much did you make during the time that you did it? We made for three thousand dollars. Two or three thousand. Where's that money invested? A little bit of everywhere. But all of it is invested. All right. So from the time you started to where you are now, has it gained the money? Of course. But has of course, like, of course, it's not normal. Sorry, but like, yeah. well, I so, mean, because I'm smart about you know where I I but, haven't put it like into like that one I didn't put into like, but I put it into things like Betterment and things like sure. um, Public and yeah, um, stats that do like you know, and it, it may have lost some money, but with the fact that it's dividend stocks and things like that. So you make, are you reinvesting your dividends? Of course. So what was the reason to stop doing it? I owe money when I pay taxes. Only totally understand I that. I had what I figured would be about a break-even point, but I'm like, I'm not going to do anything for this year. I can start it again next year. Yeah, and and that's perfectly understandable. Yeah, I mean, not to me because you know you need to pay your damn taxes and be an American. Like the well, rest he's going to pay his taxes. He just doesn't want to pay extra. Pay more in your taxes, like the rest of us. Okay. This is say, you know how much my tax bill is. I'll trade you. All right, two and a half minutes, my friend. Hit, hit your favorites. I was say we have two and a half minutes. So I, guys, really, I want you to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family. Truly, uh, big shout out to the people who have reached out to us, who have answered our questions on Facebook, Twitter. Um, say, so guys, really, thank you so much for joining us. Um, big shout out to, well, we'll say big shout out to Distill Brewing. Because you sponsored us. They gave us a free six pack. Yeah, Hawaii Five Ale, Blonde yep. Ale with pineapple, coconut, mango, peach, and guava. Um, tropical blend, really, really good. Uh, a shout out to Founders for their solid gold. And uh, Dirty Bastard was drank tonight as well. Yeah, I drank some Dirty Bastard. We had some Blanks and Blake. some Pigeon Hell. Pigeon Hell and some Saga Tech. So thanks to all of them. Yeah. Because they make delicious beers. Um, thank you again to Mike for driving up and for David for joining us. We love it when you guys are on. Yeah, we, we get to talk. Put it on a night that I'm free, and I'll either drive up or I'll join by uh, Zoom. Well, we're usually Tuesdays now for the most part, which free you're usually free on, so that that's a good thing. Um, I, I we will not have a regularly scheduled program next week because Mike and I will be on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic. So good for you. No, I'm really as, happy for you guys. You guys have a, I, I don't like to tell people they've earned it, but you've done the steps that it takes to get there. As yeah. usual, um, we're going to 
keep talking for a minute or two after we we close this off here but thank you to mlvc or mlcv yeah. oh my goodness i think it is uh star wars chris and his, his buddy for coming up with our awesome new theme song yeah it's a uh very excited to have that start being our home opener um it, it's awesome it's gonna be hard for us it really to top while this thing plays it, it really time. is so excited about that um thanks everybody for joining us if you have questions please reach out we'd love to answer questions and uh there will be a new episode probably dropping on sunday before i leave just so you guys aren't yep. waiting for something That's so right. and we'll try to get together one more time before you take off oh i'm i'm always down with that we can throw another one in a can or something David, so, take care. Mom, for, take all right, care. you betcha. All right, for Podbean, bye-bye, and we'll stay on for a minute other places. Hi, Podbean. So, Podbean's off. We have a new follower on Podbean. That's awesome. Um, here's Twitch. I can end Twitch. Dude, that ends way faster than it goes live. It does, doesn't it? I can stop.